Hi, this is Pastor Steve Lance from Noble Assembly of God. Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that this message from God's Word will bless and enrich your life. a part of the family, building community, being a part of a family. Aren't you glad you're part of a church family? Amen. Thank you for this morning for that great song and for reminding us of that today. What a great church to be a part of. We're so thankful for all of the, uh, the, the shows and expressions of love and appreciation for us pastors. I speak in behalf of myself and his, my family, Pastor Phil, Pastor Chad, we are so thrilled to be a part of this church. And uh, we want to thank the, the deacon board, uh, Michelle and Tim and Lance. I think Tim and Lance was probably already on their way to get the, the meat. But uh, Michelle, is she still here? Where's Michelle? There's Michelle. Give, give a hand to Michelle and the board for all they've done. And I know Michelle uh, coordinated all the decorating, and she had some help, uh, Gloria and Joyce, and I'm not sure who else, but, uh, but just a beautiful job, just beautiful, beautiful today, and, and so we hope everybody is going to be able to stay and eat with us, going to have some barbecue, as Pastor Phil said, and so thank you for, for being here today, and thank you for all that you have done for us and for uh, the expressions of uh, notes and cards and all that. It's always a wonderful time. Amen. Um, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Um, today we're going to be continuing the series that we began last couple of weeks ago. Sorry to say last Sunday, but actually a couple of weeks ago, called Under the Hood Values That Drive Us. And so uh, we've looked at two values already. We've looked at biblical teaching and preaching was the first value that we looked at a couple weeks ago. And then last Sunday we looked at what? Anybody remember last Sunday's message? Prayer. That's right. That's right. We looked at prayer and healing. Today we're going to be looking at the value of biblical community, just as we've heard sung today, talking about being a part of a family. The big idea is we value community. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19 through verse 25. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us, everybody say, let us. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us, say that again. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24. Let us 
Think of ways to motivate one to the acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray, God, as we look into this message this morning, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to be a wonderful family here at this church. We thank you, Father God, for placing us in your family, and we pray, God, that you help us to build that kind of community here at Noble Assembly of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said? Amen. 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 In these verses, we see core, uh, four building blocks, if you will, for building a strong community of believers. And this is precisely what the early church looked like in Acts. They, they modeled what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, I want to turn and look at, at just a, a few verses in Acts about the early church. Acts 2.42 uh, gives us a picture of just exactly what we're going to be talking about today. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What was the result of their diligence? The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Church growth took place because they were a body of believers that followed the, the Lord's word and followed prayer and fellowship and all the things we're going to be talking about. As we talked about Wednesday night in our midweek gathering, serving the Lord and one another takes effort. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 uh, talks about, we mentioned this uh, Wednesday night, Second Peter 1, 5. Let me find it here. Have you got it up there? In view of all this, make every effort. Everybody say that with me. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, of moral excellence with knowledge. And then also in verse uh, chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Those three words, make every effort, those three words are key to building a church with strong community. We have to make every effort to work and to do that. It's, it requires that for us to, to have a healthy family, a healthy church body. So now let's look back to these four building blocks in Hebrews 10. They all start with the words that I ask you to repeat after me, let us. Say that again, let us, let us. First of all, let us go right into the presence of God. That's the first building block. We want to go right into the presence of God. The NIV says, let us draw near to God. Because of Jesus, we can draw near to God only because of Jesus. Let me show you the difference Jesus makes when it comes to our relationship with God. I think I actually told you this a few weeks ago. Religion says, I messed up. My dad's going to kill me. But a relationship says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. 
That's the difference between religion and a relationship with Christ. When we mess up, we need to talk to the Lord. We don't need to run away and hide. We need to go to the Lord. But religion says, I messed up. Oh, no, my dad's going to kill me. And so many of the religions of the world, they operate that way. They, they can't do enough to get right with God. And so you, just see, the, you see the difference there. It's really comforting and liberating to, to see that kind of a difference. Religion makes us fearful and makes us wondering if we're good enough. Did I do enough? And when we feel we haven't, we're filled with shame and fear of punishment. We don't feel we can talk to God. We, when he, we can only do that when we get better. When we get everything worked out, then we can go and talk to the Lord. Fear of punishment drives us away, but the love of God draws us close. Remember the prodigal son, after he decided to come back home to, the, to, to his father's house. You know, he'd gone and he'd squandered everything he had. And when he hit rock bottom, he decided he was going to go back home. His father was watching for him and ran to embrace him. Because of the love of God through Jesus, we can be embraced in a relationship of God, though we've messed up. Pastor Phil, I see lots of people fanning. Would you check the ACs, maybe kick them down a notch or something? I'm sorry, it's early. see people fanning. I think everybody must be really hot. So it is kind of warm up here. I think it's the hot preaching coming up here. It's just warming things up. Wow, man. <laughs> Maybe just one to stir, stir the air. We probably don't have to turn it too low. We'll have people telling me to hurry up so they can put on our sweater after that. But, um, so we need to realize the love of God. So let us individually and as a church come boldly into God's presence through Christ's blood that makes us clean. So the first building block for building community is everybody wanting to come into the presence of God made possible through Jesus' blood. The second building block for community is found in verse 23 is let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let us hold tightly without wavering. The NIV says let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. You see, the people that read this letter in Hebrews were people that were, were being tempted to walk away from their faith in Jesus. They faced a lot of ridicule. They faced a lot of persecution in those days. And it was causing some of, the, some of them to turn back to Judaism and turn away from Christ. The author of Hebrews is saying to them, don't do it. Don't give up. Don't give in, don't quit. It reminds me of an old gospel song that says this, don't give up, don't give in. Give it all to him for he cares so much more than you know. When it seems who you really want to be is someone you'll never become, look how far you've come. Don't quit, don't give in. Because you see, church, all throughout life, we're going to face temptations to abandon the hope that we have in Jesus and to put our hope in something else. We cannot do that. Some abandon their hope in Christ and put their hope in money, earning money. They got to have two or three jobs just so they can have more stuff. It's not that they, they, it's nothing wrong with having jobs to supply your needs and take care of your family, but just to have two or three or four or five jobs or whatever, just so you can have more and more and more. They're abandoning their hope in Christ and putting it in money or comfort or pleasure or jobs or addictions or any other man-made things. Satan likes to tempt us to give up our relationship with God. 
People want to live better and that's okay, but when the job and money pulls you away from what's best and your faith and your family suffer, watch out. I remember when my, my father uh, was uh, working at the refinery in Enid, um, he, he had a job that he did, uh, uh, what do you call it, swing shift. And he worked like evenings and then midnights and then days and then evenings and midnights and days. And his days off were always different. And it never was Saturday or Sunday. It was never that. It was always a different day. And he would miss a lot of church. He would miss a lot of our, our, uh, my brother and I's games and activities because he was constantly being gone. Well, then an opportunity came for him to put in for a job that was Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. That job only went to people that had a lot of seniority, but the one thing about it was the pay was less. It was a less pay, but he said, you know what? I believe God wants me to be in church with my family and at my son's activities and stuff, so I'm going to put in for that. And he asked the church. I still remember this. I was only about 14 at the time. I remember him asking the church to pray that he would get this job because he didn't have near the seniority that it took to get it. But you know what? The Lord answered prayer, and he got that job. In the last several years, he worked for Champlin. He worked in that job, and he was off every Sunday and Saturday and went to our different uh, activities and games. So that was really cool. The Lord answered that prayer because he wanted to put the Lord first. So we need to hold tightly to our hope in Christ. And that, mean, that, mean, that might mean saying no to things that would pull us away. Believe it or not, saying no is a spiritual discipline just like saying yes is. Having the maturity and the discernment to say no to some things so that we can say yes to better things is something the Lord will help us with. We have to know how to say no. Amen? Amen. We must think about this. Lord, is what I'm about to do going to weaken my hold on my faith? Will this add to or take away from my faith in Christ and my hope in Christ? Is what I'm about to do going to discourage faith in my children today or 10 years from now or whenever? If so, the answer is no. Remember, again, as we said Wednesday night, we must say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Not what can I do and still be saved? There's a lot of people asking that today. How much can I do and still be saved when really we need to be saying, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How can I serve you? Let us go right in to the presence of the Lord. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Thirdly, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on, is the way the NIV puts it. Have you picked up on the pronouns used in these admonitions yet? We, us, it's not let us. It doesn't say let me draw near, it's let us. The Christian faith is not a solo flight. It's not a Lone Ranger faith. Even the Lone Ranger had who? Even he had Tonto, yes. Jesus lived in the context of community with his disciples, and so did the early church. And that continues to be his plan today. Did you know there are a one, a 100 one-another passages in the Bible? In the New Testament, in 94 verses, it says one another, 
one another. The early church moved forward living in fellowship with one another and helping one another and being there for one another. Everybody say one another. One another. Here are some examples from Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What's the next one, Kate? 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Colossians 3, 12 to 13. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 1 Corinthians 12, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And I think there's one more, 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10. Most importantly of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those in need who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. One another. Just as we talked, they, they sang earlier about the family of God. We're there in the, in the, for each other when the times are sad and when times are glad. On and on we could go. Like I said, there's a hundred different mentions of one another in the New Testament. We are meant to live in community with the Lord. And with other believers, our church family. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're part of my family. We're a family. One verse in Hebrews 10, 24 tells us to think of ways to motivate and encourage one another. Sit and think, how can I show love and support and encouragement to my fellow church members? What can I do to be an encourager? Not how can I tear them down or discourage them. Because they get that in the world and through the trials that they face already. We need to be lifters. Our church runs better with a good set of lifters. Doesn't hurt to have some good spark plugs too. <laughs> you know, God put spark plugs in the church too. And those people that just have all the energy and smiles and they're bouncing off the walls, Pastor Phil's a spark plug. <laughs> and some others. I, I, I think I'm just kind of a lifter. I don't consider myself a spark plug, but I'm a good lifter. We need to all be good lifters. Amen? That's a very important part of being a part of the body of Christ and being a, a family being there for one another. So, so far we've seen three community building blocks. Number one, going into the presence of the Lord. Number two, holding tightly to our faith, not abandoning ship, not being tempted to draw away from and draw back, but staying in with the Lord. And then thirdly, thinking of ways to bless others. Now we come to number four. It's found in verse 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. The NIV says not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Evidently, it was even the habit of some back before 70 AD 
when this letter was written for some to neglect meeting together. It was discouraged then, and it's discouraged now. We should not neglect meeting together. Early believers became immediate social outcasts, and so they were often disavowed or disowned rather by their families and even hunted down. It was dangerous for early Christians to try to live their faith without the support of a community of faith. We see that true in other parts of the world, especially where people are literally hunted down and, and killed for their faith. And I know we live in a different culture today in a different time, but it's still just as spiritually dangerous for us to isolate ourselves from the body of Christ. What happens to a piece of coal when it's removed from the fire at large? It goes out. You take that coal out of the fire and it goes out. Online messages, podcasts, etc., they're fine, but they were meant to be extensions and not replacements of participation in the body of Christ. We are called to be the church, not just watch it. Let me say that. We are called to be the church, not just watch it. Let's be honest. The people and the services you listen to online... They're not going to come and visit you when you're having surgery in the hospital. They're not going to be at your side when your loved one passes away. They're not going to send you a text or an email say, hey, been missing you. They're not going to do those things. It might be easier to stay at home and attend bedside assembly of God with pastor sheets. In your PJs. But it's not biblical and it's not best for us. Amen? And notice I said best for us. Not just you. It's certainly not good for you. But it's not good for us either. Why is that? Because you are a part of the body of Christ. And when you are here, aren't here, a part of the body is missing. I would hate it if my left ear would have decided to stay home this morning. I'd look awful funny up here with one ear. My glasses wouldn't, they'd be falling down like this. Or if my right leg decided, I don't want to be here today. I don't want to go to church. I'd be hobbling around up here. I know that's kind of silly, but in a lot of ways it's true because you all are a part of the body. We're all part. And when we're not here, a part of our body is missing. When we meet together, we do so to mutually Exhort, encourage, and sharpen one another. I'm sharper because you're here, and hopefully you're a little sharper because I'm here. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're looking sharp. It's because I'm sitting by you. <laughs> Amen. We sharpen one another. We are better together. From kind greetings to offering a helping hand to praying for one another or simply being here and available, it all counts and it's all good. Everybody say, it's all good. Because truth is, the Bible says that as the coming of the Lord gets closer, things are going to get worse. We're seeing that. I miss the days of when I grew up in the 60s. It was a lot simpler then. There was a 
fairly moral conscience in America. But we're living in difficult days, and the Bible says that's exactly what's going to happen. As they see the day approaching, we need to be there for one another, encourage one another, and lift one another up, because things will get worse. In conclusion, I'm actually going to end a little early because I know y'all are hungry. I want to show you a picture. It's a picture of a sheep. Whoa! That is one hefty sheep. It's a, it's a true picture, true story. It's not, not a fake. This sheep was found six years after wandering off into the wilds of New Zealand. He carried a lot of extra weight from not having the care of a shepherd. He faced a lot of danger and uh, from being separated from its flock. Six years with all of that burden, but it only took 20 minutes for the extra wool to be sheared off. Jesus, our good shepherd, can make quick work of the baggage and the burdens that we carry. And he's even provided pastors to help care for the flock. He's the chief shepherd. We're the under shepherds. We have work to do that we gladly do as the Lord has called us to serve as pastors, as shepherds to care for the flock. We don't need to carry our burdens alone. We can trust the Lord and we have a good community of believers, a family of believers to be a part of. Now here's a picture of the sheep after shearing. Same sheep. Looks a little different. Looks a little healthier, looks a little happier. And so will you if you're part of the family of God and if you, number one, draw near to God. Say, Lord, I, I draw near to you. I, I boldly come into your presence. Lord, I can't wait to worship you and to praise you. Can't wait to pray and seek you, Lord. Not just on Sundays, but every day. On your way to school, on your way to work, be praising the Lord. Just don't close your eyes while you're driving. But praise the Lord at all times. So drawing near to the Lord. Secondly, by holding tightly to your faith. You're going to be tempted. Hold tightly to your faith. Don't give up. Even when it gets tough, hold tightly to your faith. And then thirdly, think of ways to encourage one another. Think of encouraging ways for your family. Your own family, your church family, think of how can I be a blessing? How can I encourage my church family and my physical family? And fourthly, you'll be a lot healthier and a lot happier if you don't neglect meeting together. I thought about this this morning. We are all called to be bodybuilders. Building the body of Christ. When you do these things, the body is built up. So be frequent. 
Be authentic, be available, pray for, serve one another. Get involved in a connect group or Sunday school class where you're not just looking at the backs of people's heads, but you're connecting with one another. It's great for bodybuilding. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for inspiring these words that we have looked at this morning, your words from Hebrews. We thank you, Father God, that you have given us the body of Christ, one another to be a part of. We thank you, Lord, for the sharpening that is done every Sunday and Wednesday as we meet together. We thank you, Father God, that you have called us to be members of your body and we want to be faithful. We want to make every effort to make a great difference in the body of Christ and in the world around us. Would you just right now, where you're at, would you just take hands, hold hands around the table? Would you just take hold of that person's hand and make circles around the table? We just want to pray together and then we're going to close with a hymn. Father, right now, we just pray for one another as the body of Christ. We pray, Father God, that you would just bless that person whose hand I hold. Lord, we just pray for their well-being. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, Lord, spiritually, every way. We pray, Father God, that you bless them. We ask, God, that you help us to be people who love and serve and are there for one another in this place. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.